Hello, welcome to the University of Brighton podcast. I'm Richard Newman. Over the past few weeks, we've been focusing on issues affecting our lives because of COVID. And one of those, although a luxury, is what to do about going on holiday. Recent travel corridors have been established with countries to enable travel without the need for quarantine. But is that enough? Joining me this week is Marina Novelli, Professor of Tourism and International Development and Academic Lead of the Responsible Futures Agenda, who's advised the likes of the EU, the World Bank, the UN. So not a bad expert to have on to talk about all of this. Now on social media, we ask for your questions on travel and holidays, and we'll get to those shortly. But firstly, hi Marina, how have you found this new way of working? Uh, well, I'm in Italy at the moment and uh, smart working is uh, pretty much a, a new normal, but uh, not so new for me because with my normal travel around the world, I'm quite used to the, the way of engaging virtually. Yeah. How, how have you found being sort of, I guess, you're so used to traveling around the world. So how, how have you found being stuck in one place most of the time? Well, interestingly, I've been probably one of the few people who have traveled during lockdown, particularly as I had to return to Italy for personal reasons. So I, after three months of being locked in um, a house in the UK, uh, away from friends and family, I traveled on the 23rd of May. And it was quite an experience, I must say, uh, with airport being totally empty, new regulation in place. Uh, it was a bit of a shock to the system, I must admit. Also, probably there is another uh, element that is uh, being unable to travel when you are a professor of tourism and international development. Is, it is a bit challenging. We'll come on to airports and flights and what it's all like at the moment um, very shortly. Um, let's get to know a bit about you first. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and sort of how you've arrived at, at the point we're at right now? Yes, well, I'm, I'm originally from Italy, from southern Italy, and I moved to the UK as an Erasmus student in, uh, back in the days in 1992, returned to Italy, uh, completed my undergraduate and my postgraduate and my PhD, and then I was offered a postdoc in the UK, and um, I've been there since the year 2000. Interestingly, next academic year will be my 20th year at the University of Brighton, where I've obviously spent most of my career moving from being a senior lecturer to becoming a professor. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, right, let's get to some of the listener questions and we'll talk about some of your research a little bit later. I think we'll just fire away. Now, this one was asked a lot, uh, but this is from Tess. She says, uh, I'm not that worried about the destination that I might be going to, but I am worried about the travel. We've all worked hard. It's not being confined spaces for months. And is a plane really the best place to be? Now, you've been on one recently. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this worry is understandable and fair. Uh, to answer boldly, probably not. Probably an aircraft is not the best place to be. However, if I may share exactly my personal experience, my recent personal experience, when I traveled back to Italy from the UK in late May, during lockdown, it was an experience I, I won't forget, particularly as uh, the, 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 there was a fear of catching the virus. As, and that is quite a, a fair fear to have at this stage. But the company I used to return from the UK was in very much in compliance with WHO uh, social distancing guidelines. And that made me feel a little bit more at ease when I realized that that was the case. However, the most important thing is not necessarily um, 
what companies do, what aircraft do, what uh, resorts may decide to do in, in complying with the measures and protocol. But it's, the important thing is to take personal responsibility. So for instance, wearing a mask, gloves where necessary, and washing your hands or sanitize them as we've been advised along the, the process of dealing with this situation. So unfortunately, we will need to learn to live with this new virus. And uh, for many like me, the no travel, the no travel is not an option. So um, I, I took some personal extra measures and extra caution in, uh, in how to deal with being in confined spaces with many people. Mm. Um, so to answer boldly the question, no is not the best place to be, but uh, if you use the measures, if you comply with the measures and the protocol that have been put in place, you certainly reduce the risk. Mm. So that follows on from a question from Beth, who asks, what sort of are those precautions that are being taken? And do you, do you have to wear a mask all the time, for example? You could have to do that for a couple of hours. Um, and like you say, maybe it is the people that are on the flight, because as we all know, people are pretty impatient. There's, as, soon as, you've, as soon as you hit the ground, seatbelts are off, you're standing up, even if you're not meant to be. Um, people pushing past people on planes, people having to learn a completely new way of behaving on these flights. Oh, yes. Unfortunately, it's not about airline, only about airline measures or, or resource measures. Uh, we should be in line with WHO advice. Um, it's mostly about shifting the, um, and sharing the responsibility and changing behaviours. Uh, one would hope that uh, the lockdown and the, the constant uh, reminders of the risk associated with COVID may have changed people's people behaviour. I must say, when I travelled, as I said, from the UK to Italy, although Alitalia had all the measures in place, what happened was at the, the off-boarding stage, people were started uh, kind of being impatient about going out. So I think um, it's about kind of reminding ourselves constantly about our responsibility in, uh, in respecting the rules, but most importantly, respecting others. And we should feel empowered to ask people to respect protocols and measures. I have done so. You know, when people were pushing me to get out of the plane, I was like, guys, we, there are, it's, everywhere is written that we have to maintain a two meters distance or one meter distance or whatever that, the, that is the information. But that is why I think it's important to take, to take on board the measure on a personal level. You know, I was wearing a, a mask at all time from the moment I entered the airport in Heathrow Terminal 2 to the moment I came out uh, from the plane in Bari. And, uh, and again, you know, it's about um, preserving your own health from from others bad behavior in a way mm. uh, and and actually just feel feel empowered to say something if somebody does not respect that of course when you were traveling that was a a time for you know where people were traveling for this necessity now people are starting to think about actually going traveling Tra for holidays days, rather than um i guess the flights would be busier um sadiq asks um he says the the uk government talks about travel corridors is that misleading because other countries may not necessarily let us in? Well, I think the, mis the um, uh, confusion 
is about what a travel corridor is. A travel, corrid travel corridors are established on the, on the basis of bilateral agreements between countries or multilateral agreements between countries. So if a corridor is established, UK travelers will be allowed in countries which have signed the corridor agreement. So absolutely not an issue there. The real problem is the volatility of the situation. We've seen in many destinations in Europe at the moment, there, is, there are flaring up of, uh, of uh, hotspots where the pandemic, uh, the virus is uh, spreading again. So the, the real issue is to monitor the situation in those countries where one may wish to travel. But if the corridors are established, there is a guarantee that people will be allowed in the country. Mm -hmm. Holly says um, it's really difficult to plan a holiday abroad what would your advice be should I just wait till next year well <laughs> personally I decided to come back home, home to Italy so I did my bit of international travel normally I would go on holiday to Greece or to other destinations in, in the med in the summer or maybe overseas but for this year I've personally decided to stay at home but I'm actually quite lucky to be in a very nice place which gives me some of the most beautiful beaches in, the, in Italy yeah. so it's not much of a, of a sacrifice not to travel internationally but I think it's a great opportunity to discover nearby places and domestic destinations, particularly as local businesses will need the support of local residents and, and the staycation will be indeed an option to be considered. Um, we can always try travel internationally. You know, a holiday is not necessarily going abroad. And sometimes, you know, we give a lot of the places nearby for granted. So whether it is a cultural city or 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 a natural part, a natural area, um, why not? It's probably the best time to rediscover our the vicinity of where we where we live. Well, and Adam asked the question that he says i he said i think i feel more comfortable going on a staycation but i'm worried that places will be too busy because everyone will have the same idea and does this link to uh, one of your research areas which is over tourism is there a possibility of that uh, in our own country this year well that depends on where you choose to go certainly i would opt for less popular locations those that are not usually in the over-tourism hotspot, known over-tourism hotspot. Again, we need to exercise some, some, exercise some caution, particularly as indeed many people will opt to stay at home this year. But then again, you know, it's a holiday and relaxation doesn't necessarily mean going on the same beach or in the same national park as everybody else. You know, the UK is uh, endowed with with fantastic natural spots which often are totally deserted because people tend to go to the same beach to the same national park so it's about becoming a little bit more adventurous and try to discover uh, places and also what i've also um uh, found by traveling here in italy in the weekend because here as well a lot of people are staying at, in the vicinity of their residence um, is that if you travel not too far from where you are resident or maybe a friend's house or a place where you can easily return home, um, it's not difficult eventually to drive somewhere and then move to the next location if you feel that is too crowded. So it's about 
you, I would say ex exercising some judgment and doing a little bit of research. You know, we have become master of the virtual environment in, over the past few months. This is probably the right time to use that mastering of skills to find the best place to go on holiday. Before we move on from over tourism, do you think there's going to end up being a better balance over the next few years for those places that are prone to over tourism? Obviously, it can annoy uh, locals, but there might be a better kind of balance between the advantages of, of um, people coming on holiday to those areas. Um, but maybe the balance is just a bit better. Could that be the case because of because of COVID, because of the fallout? Well, you know, over COVID, we have definitely seen a shift from uh, over-tourism to under-tourism in a lot of the destinations, which were very much dealing with the problem before COVID uh, kicked in. However, we've also seen, particularly in the UK, if you, if you recall some of the incidents which have happened a few weeks ago in, the, in Bournemouth or Brighton, in terms of overcrowding in uh, some of the locations, um, the over tourism will always be a problem, whether it is temporal over tourism because maybe of the of uh, of a good weather of a good day uh, with weather with high temperature, or whether because you know there will be a particular event which um, which is taking place. Um, again, I think I go back to the issue of taking responsibility in the choice as consumers and also as providers of the service, you know, to be able to accept booking for what is allowed, particularly at this time of the year, um, complying with the protocols, whether, you know, there are some hotels, for instance, that they are saying that in order to allow time to sanitize the rooms, they are not going to accept a reservation which will require the room to have a an immediate turnaround, but wait 24 to 48 hours to make sure that, um, that the sanitization process can take place. So I think it's going to be uh, about changing behaviors in the sector, and that's something that we will have to get used to. Like we got used to, you know, I use always the example of uh, the 9-11 terrorist attack. Before 9-11, nobody would have ever imagined we had to put uh, our liquids in a 100 ml bottle or in a 24, 25 by 25 centimeters plastic bag before, you know, going on board or passing through um, uh, metal detectors detector scanners. Um, it's about, you know, getting used to a new normal, whatever that is going to be, that is going to be quite, I, I, I'm, I'm positive in thinking that people will get used to whatever is, is required, will be required. This might be a difficult one for you to answer, but James says he's finding it hard to get his flight changed for a holiday he's booked in September, which he doesn't even know he can go on yet. Um, insurance doesn't cover COVID. Um, that kind of that travel, standard travel insurance to cover such events was changed quite early in the pandemic. What can he do? Well, it's a difficult one. Unfortunately, uh, unless your flights or your holidays cancelled for whichever reason, it is likely that you will have to bear the cost unless you have the option to, for changing your travel date, which is determined on, on the of a specific uh, guidelines and uh, agreement of when the holiday was booked. Uh, however, if your flight is cancelled, um, your right is to have a full refund or a voucher. Um, if a full refund is offered, I would opt for the full refund because it's not a matter of whether next year is going to be better or worse. It's to have better flexibility in your future choices. Alternatively, if a voucher is, uh, is offered, 
you know, from an airline, that should be fine too. And um, personally, I would, I would avoid vouchers from tour operators or travel, agent, uh, travel agents, but uh, purely because that, again, limits your flexibility and adaptability because your personal circumstances may change. Um, I've had my uh, EasyJet flight cancelled five times before I had to book a complete new flight with Alitalia when I came to Italy. And, uh, and although initially uh, EasyJet was offering a full refund, uh, when I did require my full refund, the only option I had was a voucher. But then again, you know, EasyJet has shown to be quite stable and um, has been fairly effective in the way they've uh, provided me with a voucher which I can use for a few bookings. So again, it's a personal choice in a lot of ways, but certainly it would be important also to consult your uh, uh, travel rights, um, particularly with uh, various regulations on, uh, on travel choices. And if it is an atoll protected holiday, for instance, that should cover whatever will happen. But I understand that uh, it's very unsettling and very upsetting for many people. Yes, yeah, tricky. Um, one of the places that's difficult to travel to at the moment is the USA because it's one of the worst hit by the pandemic at the moment. Alex asked, when do you predict the US borders will open given the way the Trump administration governs and what precautions uh, might there be there? Because, um, yeah, it just seems a little bit more serious. This is a bit of a $1 million question. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure when the US border will uh, reopen. Like, I'm not sure how, when many other borders will reopen. Um, this is all depending on the pandemic situation and, and it will be very much defined by what will happen in the next few months. And given the current state of affairs, I would not want to travel to any destinations which have, a cle which have clearly failed to address the pandemic. Uh, we all need to be patient and hope that the situation will get under control. And we have, you know, nobody, if you, if you thought of um, three months ago when Italy was the epicenter of, uh, of the pandemic in Europe, uh, I would have never thought, I thought I would have never been able to come back. And yet I was able to come back. I did my 14 days quarantine when I arrived and then life started getting back um, to normal slowly. Um, so unfortunately, this is only determined by the state of affair of the of the pandemic. It's not something that can be really determined apart from that. Some on the travel industry itself now and the um, impacts this is all going to have on on places. Andrea asks. Um, she says, I realize this is a selfish question, but because it's so difficult for the travel industry at the moment, even if I defer my booking until next year. I guess there's no guarantee the resort will still be operating by that point. How tricky is this for some resorts at the moment? There's, there's going to be some that, that can't survive, aren't there? Well, I, I totally agree. And, and uh, every found should be a preferred option in this case. Um, it, I, I, I'll tell you an example. A friend of mine had, uh, had um, booked a holiday to Malta uh, and she was supposed to go at the end of May. And, um, and although she had booked flight and hotel separately, the hotel was still, you know, uh, waiting for them, but there was no, no air connection. So effectively she had to fight with uh, one of the um, online booking organization to get her uh, money back for the hotel. 
and she succeeded because if you do, if uh, it's proved that you cannot get to the destination, there are regulations that protects you. Uh, but it also depends on who you booked with and what options are offered to you. Uh, it is difficult to uh, adopt a blanket approach across the world or across destination in how to deal with the fairing holidays to next year. Uh, and uh, as, I, as I said earlier, the situation is so volatile that nobody knows really what will happen with the pandemic in the next few months or next year. Or if, you know, we all know the sector is highly affected. I know this is not a real answer, but we all need to, to exercise some judgment on what is the best option for us and on a case-by-case -case basis. So in order to, for Andrea to take a decision is really to understand uh, what would be better for her. And, uh, and many people are deciding to cancel their holiday or trying to get their money back also because their economic situation is, uh, is obviously changing. You know, a lot of people are in a situation of struggle and therefore, you know, um, we need to exercise some judgment in that sense as well. And I think the sector is getting sensitized to that too. Um, in, in a sense that uh, where possible to support travelers because these people will go back to travel and if they get upset, they won't go back. Natalie asks, will the tourism and travel industry ever be the same again? Hmm. Probably not. Um, or probably yes. I, I, it's a very interesting question. If you asked me this question probably two months ago, I, as a tourism professional, I was devastated, you know, most of my project in Africa uh, are on hold, uh, work I've been doing for 20 years have, have just uh, reached rock bottom. But now having come back to Italy, as I said, where the situation was so dramatic and seeing things going slowly back to normal. Don't get me wrong, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area where there are lighters one next to each other, probably there is only a 10% of lighters open at the moment because the, the destination was not ready to restart so quickly. So uh, the, the real issue is that the sector for too many years has been very fragile in terms of not... Uh, um, been based on a on a on a on a more uh, sorry, not not being based on in a strategic take in how to address crisis. We've had crisis in the past. We've had terrorism. We've had uh, um, other epidemics. We've had financial crisis. And of course, out of each of those, there have been new measures, new um, acquired um, uh, protocols and habits. If you think, I mentioned the example of the. Mills bottle in the case of the 9-11. Uh, but if you think that um, one of the most successful tourism, uh, travel and tourism enterprises, Airbnb, was born after the financial crisis and is one of the most successful organizations globally, then maybe if, you, if one wants to be positive, say maybe this le the lesson that we're going to learn out of this is that the sector will act more cohesively and cooperatively to become more resilient. And we've got already some examples of that. I mean, I'm part of some um, task forces in the African continent, for instance, which is based on building bridges in uh, sustainable tourism in Africa, where for the first time we've had stakeholders from the continent coming together to work together for the future during COVID, post-COVID and beyond. So again, you know, there is probably always some, hopefully something good coming out of this. You've, you've answered part of this question, I think, already from Erica. 
she says how do you think the travel industry will look next year but also says will we ever be able to truly relax and i guess she means like if we were to go to a resort where you typically wouldn't do a lot more than sit around on a beach or or by the pool with all the measures in place would it how relaxing will that actually feel well it depends what you mean by relaxing um uh do you really need to travel overseas to relax i don't necessarily agree with that um you know relaxation is a state of mind and uh, I'm, a, I'm a great believer that uh, if you're able to take some time off for yourself you can do it in your garden at home and many of us have uh, relearned how to appreciate our gardens during lockdown um, and of course be patient in in the way we can jump back to normality I do appreciate that it's difficult not to be able to travel. I mean, I cannot tell you, during lockdown for me, the most stressful part of the not being able to travel was not to be able to go come see my family in Italy. And, and of course, travel internationally. But, um, but again, you know, we are asking to put on hold something not forever for a short period. So I think we need to manage our impatience uh, attitude to go back to normality as soon as possible what has happened with COVID is unprecedented and you know each country has dealt with in different ways um, some better than others um, and we need to respect the fact that from a governance per perspective it's not been easy for any government to deal with the, the situation but from a personal perspective I think we all hold the responsibility to appreciate that something that nobody ever expected did happen. And, uh, and therefore, um, I think revisiting the way we relax and rethink and also put in perspective uh, our first world problems, as I call them, um, in, in, in a way which makes us a little bit more uh, appreciative of what we've got close by rather than far away. Mm. Um, a couple on tourism and the economy. Max says it feels like people are starting to feel put off holidays abroad. Will the industry try to coax us back through cheaper deals or will it just become something for the middle classes um, and above because the cost of being driven up and holidays to go abroad now is just too expensive? Well, to be honest, um, at the moment, there is a mixed bag of offers versus increased prices. Um, it may well be that prices will go up for a while and certain destinations will become more expensive but this is yet to be determined and um, the hope is that slowly the travel industry will pick up again and travel and uh, that travel and tourism will not become an interview for the few rich and famous um, again it will be a matter of choosing wisely and be patient and uh, uh, and again, you know, uh, maybe what is being promoted from uh, moving domestically, regionally, and then internationally might be the shift in pattern that we will see in the future. But, you know, in, in essence, because of the, of the lack of demand and the, you know, the rule of economics to lead in those situations, prices tend to go up, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I can give you a simple example, Lidos, which I was used to go last year on the beach here in Italy, which were selling uh, or hiring a sun lounger for five euros. This year is uh, 10 euros. Um, but I also do appreciate the fact that these people have uh, had to implement 
um, uh, the measures of social distancing, so they've got less availability in their establishment with fixed costs. So again, it depends highly on the kind of uh, incentives that have been given by the government, and also um, the, the adaptability that they can really implement in the context in which they operate. So you know, it's not about pointing fingers towards the industry deciding to become more expensive. It's about trying to understand how the dynamics and the systemic changes that are happening in the industry will take time to 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 shift and to change. And I think this question from Ahmed um, relates to exchange rates, really. Um, he asks, will the recession mean that it's cheaper for us to visit some countries than others? And I guess, you know, there will be nations that will struggle more than others well again as i said in the previous answer um there is a mixed bag of uh, practices but if i can use an example of what is happening here again in italy you have got two type of uh, of uh, um, experiences let's say elitarism of of uh, how the tourism and travel industry is moving of uh, increased prices so for instance the example i gave about the sound loungers costing 50 percent more but you've got a choice. You've got a choice of going to the public beach, and uh, which is my choice, for instance, but not because of the extra five euros. Is because I feel that by going to the, the public beach, there is a lo the local uh, bar, which I go and buy my drink, and uh, I spread my, um, my um, spent into smaller businesses, which may need more uh, my my uh, euros than than others which may have anyway customers to count on, so again, it goes back to um, rule of economics uh, 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 rules and modelling, which again they are all in process at the moment. So there are a lot of forecasting going on. The United Nations World Tourism Organization has published an enormous amount of uh, of material on COVID and post-COVID uh, recovery measures. But then again, some again. Two months ago, if you asked me this question, I felt we had gone back 30 years in the travel and tourism industry where, you know, the old democratization of travel and tourism had happened with increased demand, increased accessibility, uh, um, potentially increased income by a number of, uh, of uh, travelers. While now we are very much at a standstill where people are losing job, you know, and people are not going to be able to go on holiday. But at the same time, um, the recession will create a situation whereby one would hope that um, things will move again through incentives. You know, in Italy, we're, the, the government has put a 500 euros um, incentive package for people under 40,000 who have an uh, income under 40,000 euros to go on holiday, even if it's only for a weekend with the hope that the, the, the sector will be um, reignited, re, re if, if you know what I mean. But again, it's too, too early to probably say yes or no, uh, but certainly one of the things, as I said, we go back to the choices. How do you choose your holiday? And of course, with the internet and the virtual environment we've got these days, those offers are going to come up. And uh, it's just about being patient. Yeah. So thanks, thanks to our students for um, all your questions. Um, a question from me on sustainable travel. A lot of us have reviewed the way that we live our lives during this pandemic. 
and that's been a big positive and you just mentioned in that answer just now about the fact that people people are actually making sure that they do go local to um buy their products to buy drinks to you know just support local businesses as well do you think in general we'll all be a bit more responsible with our travel going forward somebody asked me this question during COVID, and i was very skeptical so I, and my answer at the time was to be honest people who are prone to be more responsible will become more responsible people who were selfish before will continue being selfish and probably become worse. I can tell you that um, having seen what has happened and what is happening in the UK, in Italy, in different locations, you know, I'm monitoring constantly the events, incidents, uh, the coming back to travel and tourism. And I'm afraid to say that uh, I was right. You know, uh, I was right in a sense that people today more than ever wants to grab as much as they can because uh, they feel that there is an element of uh, having lost time and uh, having willing to go back to this the, no, to normality too quickly, right? You know, the, I was reading an article the other day on people going back to pubs and as if we've not had three weeks of, uh, sorry, three months of madness. And I, and I feel that, I feel saddened by this because if we have not learned a lesson during lockdown and during this time, when people have died, you know, this is not about, you know, a terrorist attack that if you're lucky, you're not in the wrong place uh, at the wrong time. This is something you could cut and you could spread to your family, okay, uh, anytime. And, uh, and, and saddens me because there are ways to gradually going back to normality, but people seem to be totally careless. And this worries me a great deal. So my message to people is, if you started to grow vegetables in your uh, backyard or your, on your balcony or on your windowsill during lockdown because it was a fun thing to do or a fashionable thing to do, if you have paid more attention in doing your recycling and uh, consuming less food than uh, you would normally waste when you go doing big shopping during normal times, why would you go back to the bad habits you had before, right? And, um, and, and this is, again, goes back to what I was saying earlier. People tend not to think when they act. You know, there is, I've been using a, a, an expression, like, you know, it takes um, 21 days for, a pe for people to acquire a habit, 24 hours to forget it, right? And I think it's ridiculous because if we can all change our behavior for the better, what a better place, a better time to do it. And it's for our future, it's not for anybody's future, it's not in position we're being given, it's, it's the pleasure of being good in what we do and what we do. There's also the argument, hopefully, that if you've done habit for long enough, then that's become a routine. So let's hope that's going to some people's minds um, enough. And um, touching on just some more of your research areas, just away from this a little bit, we mentioned over tourism already. Um, do you think as well there's, uh, there's a chance here to, to develop tourism in developing countries as things sort of slow down a little bit? We can entice people to other places to go on holiday i know you've been very heavily involved with certain projects um especially in africa recently 
Well, uh, we are working on uh, re reigniting tourism in Africa. I mean, as you know, the African continent has not been badly affected as much as the rest of the world at the moment. And there are destinations which, which have reopened, like Rwanda, for instance, is open for business. But the, the, the challenge here uh, is perception and, and also is safety because, uh, again, one of the discussions we are having at Africa le level, uh, Africa destination level, um, is, you know, you could have corridors with specific countries to, to get tourists coming, international tourists coming to the continent. But the problem is that if those countries are affected by the pandemic and they bring the virus with them, are we ready and prepared to deal with that? And, uh, but having said that, there is a, a lot of positive uh, movement towards uh, going back to normality. And again, like any other part of the world, there is a, a slow start. We are starting, obviously, very much promoting domestic travel and intra-Africa travel. Um, and of course, you know, for many years, the African continent has focused primarily on the international market. And so revisiting uh, their portfolio so that they can start really looking at African middle classes and, and, and people which normally would travel internationally, African travelers that would travel internationally to discover a bit more their own continent. And uh, so there is not much difference in the approach we're using in the African continent compared to what is happening in Europe, except that um, I would hope that uh, with all the dynamism that has been going on in the African continent, um, people's perception will be um, uh, positive and will be ready to go back to the African continent as soon as the situation will go back to normality. A couple more questions before we finish um first of all it's, i'll ask you to talk about the uh, the work you've been doing with um airbnb on short-term lets i guess is that also maybe a, a project which maybe was affected by covid I, I i don't know but can you tell us about the role the role that you've been doing Yes, I was appointed as a, uh, academic advisor on uh, on the consultation project that obviously addressing the issue of uh, short let registrations in the UK with the idea of having a policy in place. Uh, the, the consultation has been taking place nevertheless. Obviously, we had to move some of the activities from uh, physical to online consultation. It's been very successful. We are still in process, obviously, because of the delay that we had to have. And we hope that um, before the summer, there might be some result being presented, which at the moment, obviously, I cannot uh, uh, share, um, particularly because we have not elaborated them most, most uh, of them yet. But yes, I mean, it was a very interesting project because, you know, Airbnb takes a lot of stick for a lot of um, problems at destination level, not necessarily only in the UK, but in, in Europe in particular, in relation to over-tourism. But it was actually interesting to work with them because um, I think they, their work ethics and their work uh, um, attitude to try and solve the problem were surprisingly different from the one that uh, I'd been reading about. So to be working with them was actually particularly um, interesting from that perspective. Finally, can you, you're the academic lead, the Responsible Futures Agenda. Can you tell us about the work um, that's ongoing and, and, and what that all involves? Yes, at the University of Brighton, our research and enterprise agenda is divided across five futures, um, connected, creative, uh, radical, healthy, and responsible. And I'm, I'm the academic lead for the Responsible Futures, which is very much uh, 
organized around the, the achievement of change through the, sustain, the sustainability agenda. So we use the sustainable development goals as our, I would say template, but it's a very loose template purely to guide our work. And um, the future's uh, work is uh, organized a, a, around three major pillars. The first one is interdisciplinarity. The second one is internationalization, and then the third one, visibility and impact. And the great thing of this is that um, the work we conduct is across schools, across discipline. Uh, so over the past three years, I've been working with architects, doctors, uh, uh, artists. Uh, so the great thing of this is that we have been able to really bring the best of uh, colleagues across the university and international, national and local partners together to address uh, wicked problems, as they call it in our, in our field, or issues that really can make a change and an impact in the real world. One example I can use is the work that uh, my colleague um, Duncan Baker-Brown has been doing on uh, circular economy in the uh, construction industry or work we've been conducting with colleagues like uh, Nicola Ashmore and um, Ryan Woodard on uh, Arts for Community Development Ghana, working with the uh, world renowned artist Serge Atupeklotti. And, um, and again, work that is being done at the Advanced Engineering Center uh, in, in using principle of circular economy. So the, the work we do is varied and uh, is exciting. And, uh, and most importantly, is open for, uh, for instance, on the Responsible Futures Agenda website of the University of Brighton, you can really see that our work is organized across different thematic areas. And if there is anything that, whether you are within the university or outside the university, if you are interested, please shout, because um, we are open for uh, opportunities for collaboration. Yeah, I will put the links in the in a podcast description so you can find out a little bit more about it as well. But thanks so much for coming on, Marina. It's been great to hear your thoughts on travel in this in this COVID world. We we end every podcast with some questions away from your work. Just a little bit of fun, really. First one, then, what advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs> Good question. Uh, what advice would I give to my younger self? Uh, well, travel responsibly as much as you can until you can. Uh, there, is, there is always time to stay at home, as we have all discovered. And travel, because travel is the essence of lifelong learning, uh, cross-cultural understanding and personal development. That's what I've always learned myself. Uh, nobody ever told me that. I discovered it uh, on my own. So if I had to go back a few years back, a few years, I would certainly just take that as an, a, an advice. Cool. Um, if you could pick any other subject to study at the University of Brighton, what would it be? Interestingly, I'm a professor of tourism and international development, and uh, I studied economics at undergraduate level and human geography at PhD. Um, then I went into, through my thesis, I went into tourism, ma uh, tourism management. And so if I went back in time and uh, I, I would say, maybe I'm, 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 I'm not really objective in this, but I would probably study tourism <laughs> because it would just set the path immediately into what I ended up doing. 
but yes, any subject which are in this interdisciplinary and adaptable these days, business related subjects would be probably the best way. And although people may think, oh my God, you know, you studying tourism is so risky at the moment because of the situation uh, we are in. Believe me, you will, you will be surprised how many people are going back to education in tourism these days, because this is the time to actually take advantage of that. Yeah, I was going to say uh, earlier on, it must be a really fascinating time to do what you're doing at the moment, just because of all the, all the changes that are going on. Um, what positive changes have you experienced and maybe implemented into your life from, from life in lockdown? Well, I, I kind of uh, referred to it briefly earlier. I spent three months on my own in the UK with most of my family and friends in Italy. And the most difficult thing to digest was the inability to jump on a plane and come and visit them anytime, whenever I wanted. Um, you know, I told you my flights were, uh, I had a flight being canceled five times and it, it kind of uh, gave me a lot of anxieties about not having the freedom to, to see my, my, my loved one. So, uh, maybe um, one of the things I've learned is uh, never procrastinate a visit, uh, a holiday, <laughs> a drink with a friend or a hug to your mom, because that's probably the thing. You know, I've not even been yet able to hug my mom because she's elderly. She's part of the people who are still shielding. And, and sometimes you come to realize how personal relationships are so important in life and not to, to give them for granted. That's probably the best lessons I've learned. Yeah, really good advice and hope that happens soon. You are able to do that and hope we're all able to do that with all our, all our family. Um, can you pick a favorite place in Sussex? Well, uh, Beachy Head, I think, in East Sussex is my favorite one. I live about 10 minutes drive from there and is, my, is often this place where I go for a walk or uh, for an afternoon tea or a pub meal in one of the villages nearby. It's a bliss to have that area very close to home. Um, and I think it's because it's so varied. You've got the natural space, you've got the rural villages, you've got the, you know, the Cookman River with the, you know, the riverside space and a lot of very good food around the place. So yes, I think that is the area I would pick as my preferred one. Yeah, beautiful place. Um, when lockdown is lifted, um, well, it's locked, lockdown has been lifted, in fact. What, what advice would you give to visitors to Brighton, Eastbourne, and the general area of what to do or experience if they're coming down for a day, what would you, what would you advise they do? Well, it's in line with what I said earlier a little bit. Brighton, Eastbourne, the old Sussex is a beautiful uh, uh, spot. And, and of course, it's been attractive for years. We have experienced the over-tourism in the past in some of those locations. Uh, and hopefully once the pandemic will be over, we'll be all be able to go back to some of the activities like the festival, the events, the fantastic uh, um, uh, uniqueness of, of uh, those locations. But I would urge people to act responsibly in a sustainable fashion. And um, not only by respecting the environment and leaving no visible footprint, like we have often seen on the beach with amounts of rubbish and things like that, but really thinking whether the right time to go to a place like this is the weekend or maybe during the week, you know, trying to, to kind of, um, of, uh, of choose when to go to places like this and also um, explore um, some uh, 
less hotspot areas in the location. You know, Brighton is, is an example. You know, we've always said that most of tourists tend to concentrate themselves on the beach and the lanes, but Brighton's got a lot of other beautiful um, locations spread across the, 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 the city. Um, so yeah, I mean, act responsibly and sustainably. That would be my advice. Yeah. Tell us something interesting about you, which a lot of people may not know. Uh, um, uh, it's difficult actually, uh, because I think probably the fact that, um, I find it very difficult to divide my work from my, from my holiday. And because obviously being a tourism specialist and uh, more than uh, people will not know is something funny about, uh, about me is the fact that when I go on holiday, I take a lot of pictures of, uh, uh very weird things that I can use in my teaching. So if you, if you were a friend of mine, you were looking at my holiday pictures, you will probably find pictures of toilet seat or uh, whatever, eco toilets and all different uh, um, things related to the operational side of the sector. And uh, so I'm a bit of a fixated on making sure that whenever I go around, I take pictures that might be helpful in my writing, my research, my teaching and learning. And I think though, students appreciate that and say, why did you do this? And I'm like, well, I was on holiday and I just, just went there and they will laugh. We always have a laugh about that. Yeah. It's probably the, the thing to share. Cool. Um, and if you could pick three people to host for a dinner party, who would they be and why? I think on the top of my head, probably I would think of Michelle, uh, Michelle Obama because uh, I'm fascinated by a lot of the things she does, but I really would want to get to get a grip of what really she's like. <laughs> so it's more curiosity than anything else. Probably Italian Prim Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte, who is highly criticized. But to be honest, having monitored what has been going on globally with COVID, I would want to really have a chat with him because I think given what was happening in Italy, he seems to have done pre a pretty good job. Uh, without having any specific political color attached to my judgment, by the way. Uh, and then maybe for a pure aesthetics and uh, kind of, um, you know, pleasure, fun thing would be Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he's a good looking man. <laughs> um final question would be um, just just about um, students that are thinking about coming to study uh, at Brighton to study tourism at Brighton what would you say to them if they if they're thinking about it right now and and umming and airing how would you sort of get them over the line well I think this is an exciting time to study travel tourism events in in absolute terms um, the good thing of coming to Brighton is that you will be in an environment which is dynamic uh, particularly as the lecturers and myself are truly engaged in the industry. So we are practitioners as much as academics. So getting your hands into the real world uh, through our, what we call it, research informed teaching is certainly one thing not to be missed. And I think I would like to add something else. I think what makes Brighton quite unique in the sense that uh, we are in a tourism destination, so you will have at your footstep um, a, a laboratory to work with and, uh, and also the possibility of engaging in a lot of international projects where we do, which we do. Um, you know, I've worked with students which have done project and dissertations on their, on, um, related to some of the projects I was doing in Malawi or in Gambia or in Ghana. 
so, you know, it's an opportunity to not only get the basics, but also to get the basics connected to the real world. And I think this is what makes Brighton quite unique in its approach. Brilliant. Professor Marina Novelli, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That's it for this week's podcast. Please do review share, subscribe, retweet. You can watch on YouTube. You can also listen on all the usual platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening.